Hello. This is going to be a review of sorts of a hangout that was conducted on Lauren Southern's channel a few days ago. And it <laughs> several people have asked me to do this review. And, you know, at the time I did think, fuck, I've got to do a review of this because it's so awful. Such a disaster. And then I thought, well, is it really worth it? But several people have asked me to do it, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. And um, I'm afraid it is going to be basically centred on one person who took part in that debate, and it's uh, Destiny, the, the YouTuber. Um, I do have some things to say about the other participants, but it's really him that, that this is about. Because when I was watching, I just, time and again, I was stunned by his disingenuous and fatuous tactics. Now, this is, I should give the full title, it's The Electric Boogaloo Stream, featuring, well, there were, I don't know how many, I think there were six or seven people. Apparently, Lauren Southern used to do, I've never seen a hangout on her channel or hosted by her before, but apparently she used to do them quite regularly on her channel. And in this case, the guests, I think there were six, yeah, six guests. Um, Nick or Nicholas Fuentes, Roaming Millennial, Destiny, Theron Meyer, No Bullshit, and ContraPoint. And also Mr. Metaker, uh, Mr. Metaker, or Internet Aristocrat, uh, shows up towards the end of it. And it's an absolute car crash, uh, or a, a shit show, or clusterfuck, or disaster of a discussion. I actually had to stop watching it, uh, I think, three times and leave for an extended break from it, like half an hour or so, because I just, I was overwhelmed. I, I was feeling ill, actually, on the final one. I thought, I can't watch the rest of it. It's so, <laughs> it's so <laughs> frustrating. Um, so, but then I did, I, I think I took an hour off uh, that time and, uh, yeah, and then I was able to handle it. And actually, the last segment was a bit less eventful. I think people were winding down by that time. But it is interesting because you see how a an online stream, a discussion, a hangout, ends up being a sort of story in itself and a sort of journey, a voyage. Um, and this one certainly is. But I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, certainly not for the faint of heart. Uh, so... What I'm going to do is talk about it, but and it's important to say that the particular mix of people that Lauren chose for this, <laughs> the mix of people was incendiary, and it was always going to turn out badly, uh, really. But opprobrium must be particularly directed at destiny, uh, this particular guy. Now, I've watched another debate with him and he was actually okay in that one. He was arguing in fairly good faith, and I think that's because it was him versus one other person. It was just one opponent. Whereas in this debate, he was up against uh, six, yeah, six people, and seven people, actually, uh, towards the end. And I think he seemed to get carried away with just playing games and winding up. Like, he had a lot of people that he could just wind up. And basically, he spent the an hour, hour and a half, just fucking around, getting them to 
jump through hoops for him. And it's amazing, actually. I don't know what he's like in real life. Maybe, I don't know if he's very socially adept, socially intelligent. But certainly in this context, he displayed quite a lot of social intelligence because he had them all, as I say, jumping through hoops for him. Uh, so, anyway, uh, people, other people commented under the video specifically about Destiny's tactics. One of them said that he, and this is, I'm just, before I actually get into the, the analysis itself, I'm going to talk about what other people said. One of them said that he just shifted the goalposts continually and uh, whenever somebody had satisfied or tried to satisfy him on one point, he just immediately changed the... Yeah, so... And that happened over and over again. Also demanded evidence for specific points uh, that someone had made, knowing that it would be difficult and time-consuming for them to provide that evidence and that, of course, would ruin their flow. Uh, and put them on the defensive as well. It would break their concentration. And that is just arguing in bad faith. It's just, it's not even arguing, it's just acting in bad faith. And here's what another commenter wrote. I've watched that Destiny a couple of times. He is a master at dragging people down to his level and making himself look like the winner in front of his soy boy fan club. <laughs> <laughs> against <clears throat> against Nick Fuentes and some other bloke, he spent over an hour debating whether the politicians had knowingly lied about the Heart Seller Act, when whether they did or not doesn't even matter, because the act itself has clearly transformed America into more of a third world country. Now, that's one thing. I think I know the debate. I think that is the, the other debate that I watched, and he was obsessed with the intention behind what had happened. And that's a separate thing, the intention behind it, whether the politicians knew they were they were going to do damage to America or not, that's a separate thing from the fact that they just did do damage to America. And that is now the fact. That is now the situation that has to be dealt with. But Destiny was getting really hung up on whether it was intended or not. Anyway, here's what another commenter wrote. Destiny argues like a Jew, but worse. He subverts and does this autistic thing where he starts trying to catch you out every five seconds on not having enough evidence because you can't cite ten articles that say exactly what you're talking about at any given moment, despite him only giving one source for his arguments, if he even has that one source. He knows what you mean, and everyone else does too, but he isn't arguing fairly. He's being a sperg. The problem is, Destiny doesn't argue to reach a truthful conclusion or give ideas a fair chance. He seems to think there's value in being able to catch out your opponent. Now, with all that said, I'll mention that people have asked me to debate Destiny uh, myself. And the thing is, I just don't want to do it because I think he would give me a heart attack. I think he would get me so fucking pissed off and frustrated by fucking around for an hour or hours on end. And uh, I don't think it would actually, I don't think it would be productive. And in the end, it would be, as someone said, his soy boy fan club congratulating him on beating Millennial Woes, BTFO. And nothing would have been achieved. And as I say, I don't think it would be a good debate anyway. However, I will make this video.
and I dare say he'll probably respond to it in some way. And I'm going to be talking about the Hangout in general, but also specifically about how Destiny consistently argued in bad faith throughout the Hangout. And I'll also be discussing, more briefly, two of the other participants, that is ContraPoint and Theron. Now, here's what one person said about them. And forgive the language here. Uh, this is not my wording. Please make note of how irrational and over... <laughs> All right. Please make note of how irrational and overly emotional <laughs> the trannies <laughs> and the fag were. <laughs> the, <laughs> the conservatives were really cool and laid back with a sense of humour. <laughs> but, but, but the left hard <laughs> but the left hard degenerates. <laughs> We're angry, bitchy, <laughs> emotional, <laughs> basket cases. <laughs> okay, I think I've got through it. All right, there we go. So the person's saying that the conservatives were level-headed and calm and so on, and they had a sense of humour, but the transsexuals and the homosexual... Um, were not, they, they were much more emotional and irrational. <laughs> okay. And then someone else said, there is, a <clears throat> there is a reason why trannies join Antifa in mass numbers. So, uh, I don't, I wanted to say that because it, just as an introduction, because I'm not going to say much about this myself. What I will say is that Theron was emotional and did get worked up unnecessarily, actually about something outside of the debate itself. It was um, Roaming Millennial. She got angry that Roaming Millennial had interviewed Richard Spencer and not been aggressive enough with him. And uh, she got really quite worked up about that. And I have to say, I just don't think that Theron... She didn't strike me as being up to the standard of Nick Fuentes or Lauren or Destiny. She may be a perfectly good person, but I don't think she's a good debater. And she sort of stuck out like a sore thumb in this debate. The other people could were up for it. I don't think that she was. And she barely said anything for the first half hour. And then I think it was, it was that outburst at uh, Roaming Millennial. And then... So, is there anything any more to say? Well, I'll get, I'll speak about her later um, in the actual thing. Then the other person referred to above is Contrapoints. Now, Contrapoints is certainly an intriguing character, but I think it would be fair to say that a lot of that intrigue is artificially and deliberately generated by the persona that he has manufactured and maintains throughout his videos, which are carefully made. I think when you have him on the spot, uh, he doesn't perform nearly as well or as slickly or as articulately or as impressively. And if, if you've seen his debate with the hangout that he did with Sargon, you'll know what I mean. 
And also he didn't do well here either. Although, of course, one major stumbling block for him and everyone else in this hangout was that there were just so fucking many of them. I think, yeah, as I say, it was like seven or eight people, if you include Lauren as well. Uh, So it was was one of these things. I mean, you know, it happened to me as well when I had uh, the first millennial hangout in 2015 when Sargon came in and there were just so many people. It's very difficult to keep control. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know why Lauren, I thought, you know, Lauren seems more au fait with YouTube than I was at that time. So I'm surprised she made this mistake. Anyway, so ContraPoint in this one just came out with a few bitchy remarks and uh, not very much else. I mean, and yeah, emotional and irrational, much less so than Theron, but still just didn't really contribute much of any any value. So, and now one other thing I want to talk about before I actually get to the, the thing itself. And this is uh, something that occurred to me the first, the, the hangout starts fairly, in, on a friendly enough terms, for the first 20 or 30 minutes. And at that point, it's basically a discussion about what, and I don't think there was actually a set topic for, for this hangout, it was just a you know, chat. And for this, early on, the first stage, it's basically a discussion between these very, politically divergent and culturally divergent people about what makes a good culture and what do Americans want for the future. And the interesting thing here is that three, at least three of the participants were not actually American, but Canadian. Well, t- they li- well, two of them are not Canadian as such. They live in Canada, but they come from elsewhere. Roaming Millennial, I think, is half Chinese, and I think she grew up in Hong Kong. And Theron sounded to me South African, but apparently lives in Canada. And then the third Canadian is Lauren Southern. But the entire discussion is very much American in its character and presumptions, its premises. And indeed, the scary thing is that that, nowadays that would be the case even if the hangout were in Britain between six or seven British people. You know, this is what I was saying in the Erkenbrand speech. We have all become Americans. We've been made it. The, the, yeah, well, that's another, that's another issue. Anyway, during this discussion, I was struck by how Americans and American-minded people, like Canadians, talk about nationhood, people from the new world. The way they talk about nationhood, are, there are different views of women's rights, uh, abortion rights, that kind of thing. But everything is an option, um, a, like a product to be chosen from a range of options. So which option do you want for the women's rights product? Which option do you want for the gun rights product? Which option do you want for the <sighs> suburban layout product? And so which option do you want for the freedom of religion product? It's always this idea of bolting together modules from that you've chosen that you've selected so there's no sense of ancestry there's no sense of the eternal there's no sense of the sacred it's just it's like they're trying to design a society from scratch and as i say by by these these modules so there's no sense of a story either 
um, or of ethnic or indeed cultural cohesion. It's just like a blueprint with none of the messy human stuff that we ex- that we take for granted in the old world. So it's all just a supermarket. And the thing is, if you have a supermarket where people are choosing the products that they want, inevitably people are going to be choosing different products from each other. And the natural way to deal with that is to say that the only thing we need to agree on is that everyone can do whatever they please. In other words, atomization leads to further atomization. And this is how you end up with the the atmosphere in that hangout, where everyone is very divergent and there is little for them to not even agree on intellectually, but to share spiritually. It's, it's seven very different people who have uh, very little common ground. And so they're arguing about minutiae, really, in the grand scheme of things, whilst they don't have any big things in common that would enable them to work together on the minutiae. And I guess that's just the modern age. I mean, I'm not even specifically criticising America. I'm just saying this seems to be the way we are now. It's uh, sad. And it really came through in this, in the first half hour, during, ironically, during the calmer and more polite phase of the hangout. Anyway, with all that said, how many, about 18 minutes I've been talking now. Now we'll finally get onto the hangout itself. <coughs> now, the far, I'm going to go through the, the particularly annoying or egregious things that people said. And uh, latterly, it's going to be entirely focused on the annoying and egregious things that Destiny said. But early on, there will be other people. So the first one is contrapoints. At nine minutes in the hangout, he said that he doesn't want an America that is just a Disneyland for white supremacists. Now, what that really means in practice is that white Americans should not be allowed a space of their own. And therefore, that they should be sentenced to demographic death. And that, because I know if you. Contrapoints doesn't want the whole of the United States to be a white ethno state, but I also think that he wouldn't want even a small part of it to be allowed to become a white ethno state because that would be racist, that would be fascist and white supremacist. So basically, as far as he's concerned, white Americans are. Uh, they're just scheduled for extinction because anything would be preferable to America becoming a Disneyland for white supremacists. But the thing is, Japan is Disneyland for Japanese supremacists. And Afghanistan is Disneyland for Afghani supremacists. And China, and you know, you could reel them off. It's only us. We are the only fucking ones who aren't allowed to be supremacists in our own countries. But of course, ContraPoints would say that America is not a white country and was never supposed to be a white country. We'll get to that later. But the thing is, if you then said, okay, ContraPoints, what about Britain or Germany? Uh, can it remain? Can, can, th- can those be white supremacist countries? And of course, then he would just switch it to another argument as to why they shouldn't be either. 
So it's like I was saying in that video a few weeks ago that the disingenuous arguments that progressives use, they say something that they say something about America, but then either the same argument is used in the old world anyway, uh, but so it doesn't. It turns out that it's not exclusive to America, or they'll just ignore that and use a completely different argument towards the same end in the old world. So this idea of American exceptionalism is used uh, judiciously and tactically by progressives <laughs> and deceptively. So that's my first point. Shortly after that, Nick Fuentes says he doesn't want lots of immigration from the third world because it will change American culture. And ContraPoints replies, "What?" and this is such a cliche, he says, what happened when you had waves of Italian immigrants or Irish immigrants? <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's so tedious. And this is what I mean about ContraPoints. I can see why he doesn't do debates very often, because he's just, it, it, it's really just, he may as well call himself talking points or cliche points, because that's all he seems to have. This thing about, oh, what about the Italians and the Irish? Oh, fuck off. Just fuck right off. Uh, anyway, Nick Fuentes, who's more polite than I would be, he said, no, those Italians and Irish, they were ca Christian Europeans. And then Destiny, in an early example of what will become his standard tactics later in the, the Hangout, he jumps in with, aren't Mexicans Catholics too, primarily? <laughs> Fucking pat yourself on the back, Destiny. So, because the Mexicans are Catholics primarily, therefore, well, that's that nullified. You can't, you can't, you've just got to equate them with Irish and Italians and uh, any Christian immigrants from Europe. I, I mean, th this is the kind of thing where he'll break something down. Oh, well, okay. It, this isn't a particularly good example of it, so I'm not going to focus on it. But it, we'll get to similar things later. And then Fuent, Nicholas Fuentes replies that the differences between Mediterraneans and Anglos are much smaller than the differences between Sub-Saharan Africans and Anglos. Which, you know, you'd think is just a statement of obvious fact. But ContraPoint dismisses that as racist pseudoscience. Now, leaving aside the science, which is absolutely not pseudoscience, regarding the warrior gene, hormone levels, average brain size, and so on. Leaving all that aside, isn't Fuentes' statement that the differences between, you know, that sub-Saharan Africans are more different from Anglos than uh, Mediterraneans are different from Anglos, isn't that statement just immediately, obviously true, just on the basis of physical appearance alone? And... I think it is, and I also think that physical appearance is a large part of how we identify this, our own people and the other people. And that's all that you need. And you can say it's irrational or unscientific or you're just focusing on skin deep stuff, but so what? That's what people do. It's what all mammals do. But ContraPoints has already dismissed all of that as pseudoscience, so <laughs> great. And now, roaming millennial at 10.20, she talks, and actually, 
you know, she and I have our disagreements for sure, but I I do think that she did well. At, at several points in this hangout, she did very well. And now, at 10.20, she talks about the need to integrate people into American culture and how it's harder to integrate them when their cultures are so different from American culture, which is obvious common sense thing. But then Destiny comes in with, when you say cultural differences, it's so funny hearing this because in America, we don't have one culture. And then he says that the the cultures are very different in the cities, in the West Coast and the East Coast and, and so on, like LA and New York, different cultures. But here's the thing. That is what a nation is like. That's, uh, that is how it happens. That's how it works. London, the culture in London was never the same as the culture in a rural English village. But they were a part of the same nation because their inhabitants were from the same gene pool. And so that cultural divergence between rural and urban, or between north and south or whatever, was okay. It was, you could handle it. It was sustainable. And it didn't lead to catastrophic disagreement or mutual alienation. So the idea that that means, well, there is no culture. That because London is so different from the rural village, therefore there is no such thing as English culture. You know, this is the kind of, oh Christ. It's, it's just infuriating. And, well... In this case, uh, Destiny is saying that this means there is no such thing as American culture. And, you know, I did a video. Did I do a video about this a few years ago? That You can see this same statement made about basically every European country. There's no such thing as French culture. There's no such thing as German culture. There's no such thing as Swedish culture. Some fucking prick has said it about every European country. And here he is saying it about America. When it's just obviously not true, of course there is such a thing as American culture. Um, I'm not even going to defend that statement because, you know, he's not here now and <laughs> I know that I'm preaching to the choir. And I've, I've basically, I've defended it in other videos anyway. But of course there's such a thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's so spergy. To claim, well, I don't know what you're talking about when you say American culture. You refer to this thing, but fuck off. Um, I mean, you could you could say it's a sort of adolescent, clever, clever thing, but he's not an adolescent. I don't know how old Destiny is. He looks about thirty or maybe older. Um, I didn't I didn't look at his channel for very long, to be honest, but I, I think he is about that age. The point is, he's old enough to know better than this. And yeah, that goes for his other tactics as well. He's very good at those tactics. He's very good at using them. He's proficient in them. But they are still the tactics of an adolescent. They're, they're, they are the tactics of someone who is just trying to prove how clever he is. Try, trying to wank off. And then... <laughs> okay, then we move on. Um, well, have I said enough about this? That this thing... I mean, you know, if because Roaming Millennial had said immigrants need to be integrated into American culture, and he said, "Well, there's 
he doesn't know what she means by American culture, apparently. So therefore, what is he saying? Effectively, there is nothing to integrate immigrants to, and therefore, immigrants just shouldn't integrate, because there is nothing for them to integrate to. Uh, that seems very much like the creed of a just a destroyer, a nation destroyer. Anyway, let's move on. Not not very far later, Destiny at thirteen minutes says, "Can you tell me?" All right, now someone was talking about the danger of Islamic immigrant, like mass immigration of Muslims into America and so on. And he, someone, I don't know what they were talking about, but they mentioned that you know what goes on in Muslim countries, that's gonna that that will happen eventually if we. We shouldn't be letting them in in mass numbers because eventually they'll start doing that kind of thing. And Destiny said, can you tell me when Muslims in America stoned a woman for not wearing a hijab? And he obviously wants one, an example. And of course, if you did have an example, he would then have ways of diffusing that example. So he would have you running around in circles. But here's the thing. How naive it is to think that because this hasn't happened yet, Therefore, you're just fear-mongering. You know, if you had said to the English working class when they, in 1960, when they complained about the, the immigration, the arrival of Pakistani Muslims into their communities, and they were saying they're sexually promiscuous, and they look at our daughters and sisters... If you had said to them, well, show me some evidence of where they've approached one of your, your girls, um, they probably wouldn't be able to give you that evidence. But their intuition would have been telling them that that evidence was going to be forthcoming sooner or later. And, well, here we are 50 years later, post-Rotherham, all of the other scandals, and we know that, indeed, their instinct, their intuition was correct. And so for Destiny to say, well... Because Americans haven't stoned any women for not wearing the hijab, uh, American Muslims, therefore you're, there's nothing to worry about. That is very naive. And again, it's the creed of a destroyer of, a na of nations. It's the creed of someone who doesn't care if it all just burns down. Because <laughs> if he did care, he would be, he would be more cautious. I mean, the evidence is there. They, this is how they behave in their own countries. Once they're confident enough in our countries, and numerous enough in our countries, then of course they will start doing similar things. And we already see similar things. They, they already do carry on rituals and behaviours in, in, in the West from their ancestral countries. So why would they not progress to stoning? I think they eventually will, if it hasn't happened already. So that's, uh, okay, that's Destiny at 13 minutes. Now, Theron at 17 minutes reveals that she is engaged to a Korean man. This is a white, I think she's from South Africa, she now lives in Canada. And she's a transsexual, male to female. And I'm referring to her as she because I just don't really see the point of hurting her pointlessly. It's not going to get me anywhere, it's not going to get the debate anywhere if I refer to uh, Theron as a as a he. Um, <clears throat> I do think that, I mean, I'm not going to get into the trans issue here, but I do think that people can be unnecessarily scathing and inhumane towards them. And I think some of the 
reception that Theron has received in the wake of this debate, it, it falls into that category. There's no fucking point. You're not going to get nationalism or yourself anywhere just by you know pouring scorn on these people. Uh, I don't see again. I'm already getting too far into this this subject. It's tangential to this. The point is, Theron. Well, Theron gives here a good example of the kind of atomized individualism which makes transsexualism toxic for society instead of something that we could just turn a blind eye to and leave them to it. So here we go. She says at 17 minutes, I am engaged to a Korean man. And the only reason I can be engaged to him is because he doesn't connect or identify with Korean culture at all. It's extremely, Korean culture, is extremely collectivist and conformist. It's antithetical to many Western values, such as individualism, for example. So, because a white transsexual wants to marry a Korean guy, Korean collectivism is bad. Because Korean collectivism stands in the way of this white transsexual marrying a Korean guy. And then you've got the thousands of years, thousands of years of the culture that let that has led to the Korean culture of today. All of that is effectively being dismissed as either obsolete or just plain bad, because it would obstruct this marriage between a white transsexual and a Korean guy in 2017. So talk about peak degeneracy. Their individual freedom is so important that the cultural and spiritual infrastructure of millions of Koreans can just be dismantled. And that's effectively what it leads to. You know, if you are to take this, if the Koreans were to take this seriously, that's what they would end up doing. Destroying their own culture. And of course, Western individualism, when it arrives through, through the delivery mechanism of consumerism, is very appealing. I've heard that it is making inroads in, in the, that part of the world, you know, Taiwan, Thailand, and, and so on, and even Japan now. But, well, there's more to life than individual freedom, I guess. So that's certainly when it violates social norms and rubbishes, or insists that those social norms be rubbished. That it is so dangerous, it's so destructive. But here you've got a, a white Western transsexual effectively advocating that these social norms be trashed in Korea and so on because they obstruct her lifestyle. Would it really be the end of the world if she couldn't marry this Korean guy? And of course, then you've got the race-mixing angle. Uh, but that's another thing altogether, really. All right, then moving on 30 seconds, 30 whole seconds. Theron, at 18 minutes, uh, is objecting to the obsession that other people in the debate have with Muslim integration. This is very strange. She's, she guilt-trips the rest of the panel for not caring about the integration of Koreans into Canada and America, saying that they would rather, the, the other panellists, would rather talk about the brown people 
than the less brown people, Koreans. Apparently, and this is a quote from her, this could come off as a dog whistle that you're a bunch of racists. I'm not saying you're racist. I'm just telling you what it comes off as sometimes. Oh, thank God for that. I thought you were going to call me a racist. For example, and this is, again, her. For example, here in Canada, we have Chinese enclaves, and they're completely tight-knit in their own communities. They don't integrate. Everyone talking here in the discussion about integration, why do you care about brown integration so much, and you don't even talk about Koreans? I'm just saying. Well, I mean, these Koreans in her area are obviously integrated enough that one of them wants to marry her. And transsexually, you know, that she's a trans. This Korean guy. Does she want the choice of the entire Korean community? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. And also then there's the thing about sympathising with the other. You know, this is a danger. This is a danger with, um, well, deviants, uh, homosexuals, bisexuals, transsexuals, lesbians, there is this danger that seems to pop up with these communities that because they are a marginalised minority within their own ethnic group, they side with other ethnic groups at the expense of their mainstream. And here we seem to have an example of that. I mean, why is... Well, this is what I wrote underneath this quote. I'll just read the end of the quote again. Um, They don't, the Chinese enclaves, completely tight-knit, they don't integrate. Everyone talking about integration, why do you care about brown integration so much? And you don't even talk about Koreans, I'm just saying. And really, my comment under this was, who gives a fuck? Why do we even, why do we even have to care about this? Whether Koreans are integrating into our societies enough or whether we need to do more, why is it that this is, this is the trouble with, as I say, um, in this case a transsexual, obsessing with whether you know the minorities are being treated well. Why is she not more concerned with her own ethnic group? Um, then you've got the possibility that she sees Koreans as some sort of pets that she wants to look after. Uh, mm. Again, it's just so the the, the atomization here is, is is depressing. Honestly, it's this person Theron. I don't know if she could ever be sexually normal, but she could at least identify with and care about her own people, her own race, and not have these fetishes or still less marriages with other races. You can see the. The loss, the, the loss of belonging, you know, embodied in this person. Anyway, moving on. Oh, there was another participant. I don't know if I named this person. No bullshit. And he was largely uh, drowned out by other people, and unfortunately. But anyway, at one point he said, at 21 minutes, he says that America is a Christian nation. And then Destiny immediately jumps in with, where is it in the Constitution? that it's a Christian nation. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in American history or the, you know, the Constitution or anything like that, but it shouldn't come down to the Constitution. It should be obvious just from a cursory glance at American history. And I'm talking about 
for post-1492 American history. From that glance, it should be obvious that, of course, this is a Christian nation, or was, and was intended to be, and was was created as one. I know that the church and the state were separate, but you cannot say that it was a, a Muslim nation, or a Jewish nation, or a Sikh nation, or an atheist nation. It was clearly for people from Europe at that time who were almost universally Christians. So to to pretend that because that wasn't written in black and white in the Constitution, therefore it's just nothing, it doesn't figure at all, is ridiculously uh, just pedantic, just really stupidly pedantic. And then contrapoints. So that's Destiny saying that it, it, America is not and was not a Christian nation. And then contrapoints one minute later says it was not a white nation either. Um, he actually says, he says it twice, it was not a white nation. It was not a white nation. That's a preposterous lie. <laughs> now again, I'm not going to go in or pretend that I, I know the chapter and verse of the, the various documents that uh, constituted America in the early days. But to say that, that, was, that it was not a white nation, again, I, it just amazes me that people would even waste each other's time by saying something like that, by making that claim. Uh, if not a white nation, then to whom else was it intended to belong or be formed by? Uh, of course it was white people. Of course it was. It's preposterous that you would claim anything else. <clears throat> All right, moving forwards. Roaming Millennial at 29 minutes. And this is this is one of the disagreements that I had with Roaming Millennial in this hangout. She said, Muslims are an existential threat through terror attacks. And I'll just read out the comment that I posted under the video. I said, the existential threat from Islam is not terror attacks. They're not going to blow up tens of millions of people. Of you know, us. They'll blow up several thousand of us, but they're not going to blow us all up. So it's not terror attacks that that enable them to be an existential threat. The existential threat from Islam, from Muslims, is that they will outbreed us and replace us, or at least dominate us in our own countries. And that is infinitely more likely than uh, than terror attacks, even in America and Canada, by the way. It's certain. I mean, we can see it playing out now in Europe. Um, but I think, I think Americans and Canadians, especially Americans, can sometimes be rather complacent about uh, the place that Islam is going to have in their country's future because the numbers just now are so small. I think it's one percent of the population are, are Muslim. Well, guess what? The population, yeah, the, the the numbers were very small in in Europe. 50 years ago. And now we're looking at the Netherlands and Germany and Sweden becoming Muslim-majority countries within this century. So do not think that the same could not happen and will not happen in America. Um, it's worth saying that because I did post that as a comment under the video, uh, just the brief bit. Uh, and quite a lot of people, Destiny's fans, just went crazy asking me for evidence to back up this wild claim. And again, 
it's like they're sitting back and just waiting for the world to burn, and in the meantime, they won't gather any water just in case. You know, they're, they'll, and they'll have a laugh at anyone who's pathetically gathering water just in case. <clears throat> it's just their their creed is just one of decadence. You know, they're, they're so used to comfort. Uh, they can't believe that all of this could end. They're so shaped by luxury. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. Okay, shortly after that, Destiny at 30 minutes. <laughs> I think someone else has gone back onto the integration question, how to integrate immigrants. And then he says, define what it means to integrate. And then he says that uh, values, that there are no shared values. in, Amer in Amer It's always in the American context. He says that Americans don't agree on any values. Um, I, think, I, I think what happened was he, he said, define what it means to integrate. And then someone else said, well, values, American values. And then Destiny said, but white Americans don't agree on va any values. So he, I think he mentioned uh, abortion rights and women's rights. People have different conceptions of what those rights should be. White Americans disagree on this; these matters. Therefore, there are no values, no consistent American values. Just as there's no consistent American culture, there, there are no consistent American values. So therefore, there's no such thing as American values. And therefore, presumably, by his logic, it's impossible to integrate immigrants into America, at least on the, on the values. So what other way can you integrate in? <laughs> <sighs> but then someone mentioned language. A roaming millennial replied, because Asians don't learn English, they don't mix, even though they live just streets away from other ethnicities. And I would just say, does that not indicate that this whole thing, getting away from the values question, which I think comes up later, um, Actually, it doesn't come up later. Um, there's not, I, I mean, I've I, again, I've addressed this stuff in my own videos many times. I think it's a mistake to reduce a nation to a set of values for various reasons. The values evolve over time. There is disagreement on what the values should be all the time, constant disagreement. Uh, and also the values tend to appear in other countries anyway. So it's a mistake to think that those values are quintessentially British or American or whatever it is, French, German. Uh, so there has to be something else and uh, that, that defines the nation, that defines the people. And generally it has been genetic, a genetic profile, as well as a shared history, shared ancestry. Unfortunately, uh, there is no shared ancestry or shared history when you've got immigrants from non-Western, I mean, at least if they're European, then you've got that whole European thing as the history, as the shared ancestry. Uh, but with non-European, you don't have that. So you can't, so you don't have that. You can't force them to uh, adopt particular values, or if you could, that would be inherently dishonest because not all white Americans are not all, you know, certificate-bearing Americans share those values. So how can you integrate them then? It's a real problem. 
But Roaming Millennial hits on the, the, the language thing. And, okay, here we go. She says, because Asians don't learn English, they don't mix, even though they live just streets away from other ethnicities. Now, doesn't that indicate that this whole thing is unnatural, undesired, difficult, uh, and ultimately unwise? Because it clearly conflicts with deep-seated human nature to be with your own. Really, I mean, what they obviously want, these Asians, is what what the same thing that the Italians wanted and the Irish-Americans wanted. They wanted an Irish outpost on this new landmass where there was a lot of wealth to be made, but they ultimately wanted it to be another Ireland, just as the Italians wanted another another Italy, and and so on. And Germans, I know that there are German communities still speaking German in America uh, 100 years ago. I mean, I'm not saying anything new or original or even interesting here. And I only bring it up to gently counter what I see as roaming millennials and naive idealism. Ultimately, you either retain your ancestral identities or you merge into a new thing. But since there's no consensus on what that should be, the third option looms, which is just total destruction, and we all become consumerist drones. So there's no culture, there are no values, I mean, and even language. I mean, do we even need that? But the other part of it is that we do all learn English because the, the consumerist thing kind of requires that. So, and that's the sort of counter, the, the corollary of all this, is that everyone nowadays does speak English in Sweden, in Norway, uh, maybe not in France so much for, for French reasons, but el- basically everywhere else, everyone speaks English. So by that standard, then, are we saying that everyone is, in effect, American or Canadian or Anglo? Because if the only thing that it takes in order to be American or Canadian or Anglo is that you speak English, then the whole fucking world now speaks English. Yeah, they might not have English Anglo values or Anglo culture, but they have the language. And if that is the only thing that it's that you can use to integrate them, then that means that the whole world is already integrated in they're already Anglos. They just happen to not be in the Anglosphere. You know, that we're actually, I mean, it sounds like a caricature, but I think we are heading towards this. All right, moving forwards. Destiny at 32 minutes says, we don't have a, and this is sort of reprising what he said earlier, we don't have a consistent view on women's rights. Well, does that mean, therefore, which seems to be what he's implying, that because we don't have a consistent view on women's rights or this other issue, whatever, therefore, we should make everything even more complicated by importing millions of people who are genetically alien to us. Why the fuck would you... Because that's what he was saying this in support of. Because we don't have the values thing and we disagree on everything, there is no common culture, common values, therefore... There is no disagreement for us to have en masse as, as one group of people with 
these imported groups of people, these new or newly arrived groups of people. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy. Again, it's this lazily setting up a catastrophe for later on. Because you can't out precisely map the lines by which it will happen, therefore you just casually allow it to happen. Allow it to develop. Fucking nuts. And then, uh, and that's just the question of complication. I mean, do you, if it's already complicated enough in America or any other country, but let's concentrate on America, if it's already complicated enough there with people disagreeing on everything, why would you want to make that situation even more complicated by adding, for example, large numbers of Somalian Muslims? <laughs> Are you nuts? Okay, moving on. Destiny at 33 minutes makes the unbelievably retarded claim that America hasn't sorted out women's rights uh, because, and you know, this is sort of moving on from what he'd said earlier, he, that this is a separate thing though. He says, America hasn't sorted out women's rights because the Hollywood rape scandal shows, that, uh, shows Americans advocating that women who accuse men of raping them should be driven out of their careers. Uh, he, he says this, that the Hollywood rape scandal shows Americans advocating that women who accuse men of raping them should be driven out of their careers. I'm paraphrasing because it's a fairly long-winded point. I'm trying to make it simple. Um, and someone else says, who's saying that? Who's saying that women sh who accuse men of raping them should be driven out of their careers? And Destiny replies, everyone in Hollywood for the past 30 or 40 years. And this is, I think, an example of him being really unable to substantiate one of his own claims. And the thing is, if women's careers have been destroyed it, in you know, these actresses, it is because of Hollywood corruption. And frankly, you could limit it to a particular ethnic group within Hollywood, which is not the mainstream American ethnic group or racial group or, or religious group. It's, it's not totally confined to them, but it's limited. It, it is focused on them. Nevertheless, let's just limit it geographically to Hollywood. This does not mean that most Americans would advocate that uh, women who accuse men of raping them should be driven out of their careers. That's a ridiculous claim to make. Uh, nor does it uh, mean that American culture doesn't care about women getting raped, which is what Destiny is apparently claiming, and that is an utterly fatuous point. American culture absolutely does care about women being molested. And, and <clears throat> the fact that it happens and the fact that there's a hotbed of it in Hollywood does not mean that American culture in general is doesn't know what to do about the question of whether it's right or wrong for men to rape women. Of course, American culture in general does have a very clear answer to that question. So he's just fucking around. Uh, but also, I think Destiny was unwittingly making the point for ethno-nationalism here. Because the more groups there are in a society, whether racial or religious or whatever else, the more they will work against each other and in suspicion of each other and exploit each other, ultimately. And in the case of Hollywood, it's Jews exploiting young, Gentile, white women. Demonstrably. I mean, I don't think that's anti-Semitic. It's just a statement of fact. 
So if that is what groups do, and I think it is, then you basically want your uh, your society, your territory, to contain as few diff- separate ethnic groups as possible. Which perhaps solves the question of the values thing. You know, it's not that they have to share values. Uh, it's that they should be of the same ethnic group because then, there you go, they will not work against each other so much, not nearly so much. Mm. It's ironic that he kind of supplied the answer to his own question from earlier on. All right, moving on. Nick Fuentes, at 36 minutes, said, "We could, and this is a controversial point that he made, um, he said, we could easily prevent all sexual assaults in the workplace if our women were at home raising the kids. Because uh, he is a traditionalist and he's all up for that kind of stuff. And there was predictable uproar at that suggestion. And then he continued, there'd be zero chance of sexual assaults happening between nine and five because uh, the women wouldn't be in the workplace. And then some idiot, I don't know who it was, jumped in with, that's not true. Men can sexually assault other men. But I, because that's just such a an irrelevant... I, I'm just going to ignore it. it, it it's just a, a silly thing to say. Of course, men can sexually assault other men, but that's not what we're talking about. And in any case, it's much less common than... For fuck's sake. All right, let's let's move on. And then ContraPoints, because commenting on Nick Fuentes' uh, suggestion that women should be at home looking after the kids, ContraPoints said, how is that different in any way from the most radical jihadist assessment of women's role in society? So, according to ContraPoints, a hundred years ago, the West was just fundamentalist Islam. It was just it was equivalent to fundamental the most radical jihadist, his uh, worldview, or his at least his assessment of women's role in society. Look, it was fine a hundred years ago. Women in the West were just fucking fine. So don't pull this bollocks now about how well it would just be like a, an ISIS training camp if we were to do this. No, it wouldn't. We managed it perfectly fine before. And then there was lots of toing and froing uh, for I don't know if, about six or seven minutes about whether women are happier in the home as mothers or as independent people in the workplace, uh, etc. And that went on uh, for a long time. People wrangling about it, and then Destiny came in with, <laughs> and people were weighing up the different options and all that. And then Destiny came in with. Why not give people the choice to do what they want? And really, I mean, what can you say to Wow. What an idea, what an argument, Destiny. The answer to that question, why not just let people do what they want? The answer to that is that people need guidance. And social norms are crucial. And the slippery slope is a real thing. So just leaving people to do what they want is irresponsible, especially when the culture that they are operating within and being subjected to and being shaped by is A, encouraging them to not have kids, and B, 
is on a downward moral trajectory, and C is largely controlled by people who are averse to your group's continued existence. By leaving people vulnerable to a culture like that, that is getting more degenerate, more immoral, more destructive, more nihilistic, and more atomized all the time, and which is in con- largely controlled by people who have clearly not got your ethnic group's best interests at heart. Uh, by leaving people vulnerable to that culture, you are setting them up for personal despair, childlessness, once it's too late to do anything about it. And you're setting your group up to be demographically replaced. And you're setting your up your society to be destroyed. And that is why you can't just give people the choice to do whatever the fuck they want. And then Destiny uh, hammers the point home, saying, nobody, nobody in our culture right now is saying that women can't have kids. Who is this invisible bogeyman? And again, it's just this casual shrugging of the shoulders in the face of inevitable destruction. It's this very strange attitude that he has. It doesn't need to be explicit. And if they were explicit about it, people would notice. So it's not that people say women can't have kids, but they frequently do say that they shouldn't have kids. And even when they don't explicitly say that, the whole culture is shaped to encourage people to not want to have kids because it's more fun to remain an overgrown adolescent yourself. You know, we don't think, we don't talk about the long term. We don't talk about the contract between generations anymore. We certainly don't talk about your people, your ethnic group, your race as a long term story. Those are all things that would engender a sense of responsibility and a desire to have children. But we don't talk about them anymore. And so that desire to have children is not engendered as it once was. And that's all without ever explicitly saying to people that they shouldn't have kids. The culture is shaped in deep ways to produce results of, of one type or another, to, pr- to, pr- to promote behaviours of one type or another. And at one time, <laughs> it was shaped to, as I say, encourage people to have a view of the long term and also to have a view of themselves as custodians of that long term, some of whom were male men and some of whom were female women, and to respect the duties and roles and personas suggested by those respective anatomies, male and female. But now our culture is shaped (laughs) to explicitly undermine and ignore those uh, what is suggested by male and female, that you become a father, that you become a husband, and so on, and and a and mother. And at the same time, it's, it explicitly promotes degeneracy and laziness and self-absorption. So no, it doesn't explicitly say, very often at least, uh, that you shouldn't have kids, but it does everything else. It does everything short of that. And then, of course, there are occasional uh, 
moments when it does explicitly say that you shouldn't have kids because it's bad for the environment, because it will ruin your career, it will ruin your body, it will ruin your relationship with your partner, um, or God knows what else. I mean, there are multiple things. We've all seen these headlines, usually in just fucking degenerate things like, uh, you know, vice and all that. It's not some bogeyman that people, that the alt-right have just dreamed up. It's right there. Anyway, oh, and the other thing is that it is, without a doubt, focused on white people not having kids. Um, I don't know if I need to back that up. I think it's just obvious. I mean, whenever it's a magazine article about why you shouldn't have kids, it's a white baby that's being pictured, or it's a white uh, woman who's being pictured as the who's depicted as the 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 mother never to be, and she's so delighted about it. All right, and then then on the times that they do encourage you to have kids by showing a happy family, it's a fucking mixed race family. So, people, white people are still having kids, but the white race is not being perpetuated because it's being mixed. And that seems to be the only circumstance in which the modern mainstream media are happy to show white women having kids now. <sighs> All right, moving on. Lauren says, Lauren Southern says, that there is great pressure on white people to not have kids. Destiny replies to that with, oh, so I can go and find an article that says white people shouldn't have children. So he's being so literal that, of course, he's he, he will successfully be able to miss the point and pretend to have been just arguing in good faith. And, of course, he fucking wasn't. He knows damn well that there is not going to be a magazine or a, a website article saying white people shouldn't have... Well, actually, now that I say it, now that I see it, there fucking are. There are profe There's that professor who said that she wasn't going to have kids because they would be white kids. But still, I mean, yes, okay, I, I've realised that actually these things do exist now because we're at that point when they can be that explicit. But still, far more numerous are the articles simply saying that you shouldn't have kids, and it just so happens that the, the people depicted are white. But nonetheless, uh, Destiny is being very pedantic, and he says that, oh, so can I find an article? And I don't know what else, someone, someone replies to that, and then he says, so you can't name a single prominent figure who is saying that people shouldn't have kids. I mean, this is him denying something that he must be aware of in the general culture. I mean, he's living in the same societies, he's looking at the same internet, uh, and so on, as the rest of us. So how is it that we can see this stuff and he just, oh, I, I just don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, Lauren replied to that. Uh, so he'd said, so you can't name a single prominent figure who's saying that people shouldn't have kids. Lauren replied to that with President Macron in France said that Africans should have fewer babies and everyone calls him racist. So this is getting away from the white people shouldn't have kids to one politician saying that Africans shouldn't have so many kids. And everyone calls him racist, which they did. And Destiny says, who is everyone? Because again, he's always demanding 
well, pedantry, but also just evidence, 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 evidence. Nothing can be taken. And if you use the word everyone, then, well, it was only five newspapers who said that he was racist. So you're, you're wildly exaggerating. And I'm sure you're totally wrong about this whole uh, degenerate modernity thing. So, then Roaming Millennial said, I can't remember how they got onto this, but it was developed from that. Roaming Millennial said, politics is down, downstream from culture. You, can cha you change the culture first, and then politics eventually ends up reflecting that. Now, that seems to me just utter common sense and obvious, and yet Destiny said, do you really believe that? Do you really believe what you're saying right now? So, does Destiny think that politics doesn't reflect culture? Because that seems to be the only implication. If you reject the statement, politics is downstream from culture, you change culture first, and then politics eventually ends up reflecting the new culture. If you reject that, then the only implication is that you think politics in a society does not reflect the culture of that society. Are you retarded? I, I don't really think I need to go into that. It's just, this is him just fucking around. Because she had said something quite grandiose, I suppose, he was using that to just cast doubt on it, having any truth to it. When, of course, it's completely true. In fact, it can only be true. What, what society has a political system or political culture that is totally at odds with the, cult the mainstream culture of that society? Where? And how the fuck did it ever happen? It doesn't. It's preposterous. But I suppose it's, uh, he would demand that you prove, instead of just going by obvious common sense, I think Destiny would probably say, well, you've got to prove to me. You've got to prove to me how uh, this country's politics reflect its culture. And of course, I'll find little problems with every little claim you make there. And then you'll try to jump to another country, but then I'll just do the same with that country as well. So I'll successfully miss the point. And you'll be running around jumping through hoops for ages. What a fucking child. I mean, I'm, as I say, I saw him in another debate and he was. He was far better. I think in this one, as I say, as I said at the start, I think he just got carried away with playing games with people. But it does not look nice. It does not reflect well on him to be behaving in that way. All right, moving on. There are only three more points in the debate that I want to talk about. At 55 minutes. Roaming Millennial was talking about how government policies in America have promoted unwed single motherhood in society. And Destiny said, what policy has a Democrat proposed in the United States that has caused this to happen, that has promoted single, unwed single motherhood? What policy has it, and she was, Roaming Millennial was saying that it was Democrats mostly. So he said, what pol what, name one policy that a Democrat has proposed that has caused this to happen. And already he's setting up for failure there, because if a Democrat proposed it, but it didn't actually become law, then it couldn't have 
so much, maybe any effect, but well, okay, let's ignore that. Roaming millennials said abortion would be one such thing, one such policy that Democrats brought forward. And Destiny said that's literally the opposite of having an unwed single mother because the baby doesn't get to live. It doesn't doesn't survive out of the womb. So she doesn't become an unwed single mother. And this is an example of someone seeing things in such literal terms that, again, he is able to miss the point, or at least pretend to misunderstand. And Roaming Millennial gave what I thought was an excellent uh, dissection of how this thing does actually lead to unwed single motherhood. I think I wrote it down verbatim. She said, Now that abortion is so readily available, women are free to be a lot more promiscuous. And so, as a consequence of that, they are making worse decisions for their lives. The level of promiscuity that women exhibit during their their dating period, their 20s, really affects their likelihood of forming long-term commitments like marriage later in life. And this, and I've seen a study that, um, I can't remember if, how commonplace this is, but the study I saw showed that the more sexual partners a woman has had, the harder she finds it to commit to a husband. And the, the less chance her marriage has of, uh, of lasting very long. And that is just, that intuitively makes sense to anyone with a modicum of understanding of human nature. It makes perfect sense, which of and it also marries up with why men are not attracted to promiscuous women, except as fuckbags, you know, but they don't find that we have the word slut precisely to condemn women who are promiscuous because we sense that they're going to be trouble and they're they're not marriage material this is all built into our intuitions over time over evolution <clears throat> and it makes perfect sense and i've gone into this in a, a video i think it was back in 2015 what the hell was it called so i think it was sex and morality something like that and i described why i think this happens that promiscuous women end up being unable to commit. I won't go into it here. So the point is that Roaming described this mechanism, how abortion and the pill especially lead women into behaviours which then make them less able to commit to marriage and then you end up with unwed single motherhood, exactly as Roaming Millennial had said. So in fact... Destiny sees this in a very autistic way that, well, if you allow abortion, then you, you're, you're working against unwed single motherhood. But in fact, no, it has the opposite effect. You will get a lot of abortions and a lot of women will uh, avoid unwed single motherhood. But then eventually, whether by accident or deliberate design, because they're just desperate to become mothers, um, even unwed single mothers, they will become unwed single mothers as I say, either by accident or by design. <clears throat> and that is a direct, or not direct, but certainly uh, it's linked to the, the first thing of abortion and contraception. So then, after Roaming Millennial had described that mechanism, Destiny didn't deal with it, he didn't acknowledge it, he just 
shifted the goalposts and said, so you think the government needs to be legislating morality for how promiscuous we're allowed to be? And uh, <sighs> Roaming Millennial again gave him a very good reply to that. I don't have it written down, but she basically said that by subsidising or enabling something, you encourage it indirectly, but surely. And she's absolutely right. Uh, the government might not directly legislate morality, and to be honest, I can understand why people would find that a bit objectionable, a bit sinister. But by its actions, it does shape public morality. By the laws that it passes, it does indeed. And so, again, destiny has this attitude that that will lead to destruction. That it's a sort of it's it looks like like he's just carefree and he doesn't want to uh, restrict people, but really, what he's doing is setting up a situation, setting up a future society where there will be widespread decay and degeneration and misery. Because, as Roaming said, by subsidising or enabling something, you encourage it. Now, at one hour and one minute, Destiny denies the anti-white bias in modern America and talks about inherited wealth and privilege. And I don't really have much to say about this because, of course, you know, we talk about it all the time. Um, there isn't that much fresh to say about it. I just wanted to note that Destiny, against astonishing amounts of evidence, denies the anti-white bias in modern America and indeed the modern West, modern Europe and Britain as well. How the fuck can you not see the anti-white bias running rampant in music, in films, in TV shows, on the news? In academia, I mean, it's just at this stage it's omnipresent. The universities, how the fuck can you not see it? And then, he, as I say, he talks about inherited wealth and privilege. So he's demonising white people, trying to make them feel guilty. And supposedly, this you know, whites are his race, are his people. And he's uh, and he does this several other times that I didn't note down. He sort of goes along. He demonizes white people. He says that well, we've got so we, we we've uh, undermined this group, we've disadvantaged that group, we've marginalized that group, and uh, we should be doing more for, to help them, more to help them, and that becomes important uh, later on. And then the final thing I want to talk about at one minute, uh, sorry, one hour and four minutes, Destiny raises the survey which showed an anti-black bias in job applications. And this is when, if you change the name to a stereotypically black name, then the job application has a much higher chance of simply being discarded. Because, well, racism. Uh, it's the racism of the, the person looking through the applications. They assume they, they see a stereotypically black name like, I don't know, you know Jamal or whatever, and or Tyrone, you know, whatever, let's be really stereotypical. They see that name and they think, oh God, uh, a black person, I'd, uh, I don't want them here, I'll just throw this in the bin. And uh, I just want to make, uh, I just want to note here that, well, what the, what Roaming Millennial said was that it was probably a class thing rather than race. And Destiny pretended not to understand that, whereas I think it's very fucking clear what she was saying, that 
people associate a name like Tyrone or Shaniqua or whatever, not just with that the person's black, but also that they're going to be lower class, that they're going to have no idea how to behave. Uh, they won't be they won't be a desirable person in, to have in this squeaky clean corporate environment. So it's not so much that the person is racist, it's just that they're, you know, classist. Uh, that was her way around that. And this is an example of civic nationalism, because it, the thing is, I mean, that might well be true. Uh, there will be people who who... It doesn't even occur to them that the person might be black. They just think, oh God, that sounds like a, a, a trashy name. But it's also true that a lot of people will exp consciously or not think, okay, that's that's ghetto. That's a black person. And, uh, and that's why they'll throw away the application. And I'm perfectly happy to admit that because I'm an ethno-nationalist. Um, and I understand that people do want to be with their own. They want to mix with their own. They want to work with their own. And uh, But the trouble for civic nationalists like Roaming Millennial, they claim that race should not be a dividing line and that we should all care about the entire human race equally. And unfortunately, they have no way to argue against this phenomenon of uh, anti-black bias in job applications. They're sort of caught between a, a rock and a hard place um, because they have to, the, the, well, the fact is that it is unfair for people to be discriminated against because of their race. It's unfair. and uh, But it is also very human and very commonplace and it's inevitable. And fighting against it is a long, bitter, endless battle. Uh, that will only result in misery for people and eventually the destruction of the white race because they are the only ones who will take it seriously and will therefore get demoralised by it and ultimately submit to miscegenation. You know, the other races will just say, yeah, fuck it, I, I, am, uh, I, I want to be with my own people, I want to support them, nepotism, uh, association, whereas the whites will get guilt-ridden and eventually, as I say, yeah, but this is the problem. Civic nationalists can't admit any of that. Anyway, that's kind of tangential. So moving on to the conclusion, it was a fuck up of a hangout for, for many reasons. Um, but the main thing is is destiny. The real he he behaved badly. He behaved in bad faith, but also his worldview. He didn't reveal much, but well, he certainly didn't consciously reveal much, but he did betray quite a lot about the kind of society that he wants, or the kind of the way that he wants a modern American society to operate. And the fact is that at every stage, and including things that I have not noted down here, at every stage, he sides with anyone but the white race, and especially white males, white men like himself. He always finds some, some way to side with anyone but that group. So, I mean, I would ask, why are we even talking about how to help and benefit 
other races who live in our countries, in our societies. Uh, he seems to be obsessed with it. And he seems to be obsessed with demonizing us, his own group, for not helping and benefiting these other races in our countries. And what I would say is that he's a traitor. <laughs> in action, but also in spirit. And another way to put it might be the not just the letter of the law, but also the spirit of the law. He, he's a latent traitor and an active traitor as well. He promotes the idea that white society should basically be given over to minorities. But also he promotes lots of little ideas for how that can be done in the meantime, how, how it can be facilitated. And it's astonishing to watch. And this, I think, was what made me feel ill when I was, when I was trying to watch The Hangout. I just... I had to keep taking breaks because <laughs> it's like the, the scale and intensity of this guy's treachery is is literally sickening. And he does it all from this position of decadence and comfort. You know, he's that, it's th that decadence and comfort has led him to become very detached, very nihilistic, and just ambivalent about the very survival of his people, whom he doesn't even identify as his people because he's that luxuried. Now imagine a tribal situation, let's say a, a thousand years ago. One of the tribe members is constantly talking about how we in this tribe can help the other tribes at our own expense and how we shouldn't do what is in our best interests as a tribe. And we shouldn't do what is good for us. We should always do what's good for them. How long would that tribe member survive? If you do have the guts to watch this hangout, watch it and note how destiny time and time again works to undermine his, the white race and suggest ways for their destruction. And just ask yourself, in any time but ours, would this guy would this guy be tolerated? You know, he is a product of decadence, but also he survives because of the decadence of other people as well. He's a walking destroyer. Or at least he's a talking destroyer. really all I've got to say. And maybe I've done him an injustice. Maybe he actually means well. And maybe he was just having a bad night. Maybe he was just having fun that night with that hangout. But if so, I think he should be careful about the attitudes that he promotes by embodying them in the context of that hangout. Alternatively, if those were his real ideas, and if they were representative of his real attitudes and his real worldview, then he's a piece of shit. And as I say, the sickening thing was that he had these other people just running around, confused, not getting anything established. Um, 
and constantly trying to satisfy him. Maybe this is guy, maybe he's a pretty fucking dangerous guy. I mean, I, I'll emphasize one last time. It's very possible that I am taking it all too seriously. It's very possible that I have misread him. And it's very possible that he was playing a role during that hangout. But as I said, if so, then it's a dangerous game that he's playing. And, yeah. If it's not, if he wasn't playing a role, if it's genuine, then what a piece of shit he is. I'll leave it at that. Thank you for watching.